Welcome to Pick Me Up Pod. This is the podcast where we are destigmatizing everything and anything menstrual health, from your period to birth control to pregnancy and abortions. I'm your host, Sophie, and I have a period, and I want to talk about it. Hey guys, how are we doing? Um, I am here with the wonderful Lucin. She's an artist, a community builder, and a storyteller, but I will let her give you more details on some of the things that she's working on, and I'm super excited to have a conversation with you. How's it going, Lucin? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is right up my alley. I'm, I've been looking forward to this all week. Let's start with a little bit of a feelings check-in. So I'll kick it off. So I woke up this morning and I was feeling kind of shitty. I was feeling kind of groggy. And lo and behold, probably about half an hour before I hopped on this um, recording with you, I started my period. Um, So I knew it was coming. It was right on time, right on cue um, for this conversation that we're about to have. Um, But perfect. How are you feeling this morning? Girl, my tits hurt. I feel like I'm about to get my, my period any second too, actually. So that, that, that might be my case as well, but I'm good. Ultimately, I'm good. <laughs> oh my God, I get the same thing. Oh my God, my my boobs get so sore. I actually don't know if you get this. Um, in the winter, when it's really cold or just like cold in general, my nipples hurt so bad. Does that happen to you? Yeah, I, it does. I have to like in the winter, I have to wear a bra or something just to like, just to keep them like safe and protected. But it doesn't when my boobs are like this, it doesn't happen every month, actually. It's so it's I'm like kind of bracing myself a little bit. <laughs> Do you feel like it's going to be like a very painful period if your boobs hurt a lot? I think so. Um, I... I'm also dealing with my own birth control journey right now. And it's like definitely messing with my cycle and all of that. So I, I don't really know what to expect right now. It's everything's kind of in the air, which is a such an inconvenience. But um, we out here. This is what we do. This is this is this is this- what we do on a day to day basis. And I think this is the reason why I think it's weird that not a lot of people like talk about this issue like not an issue it's just like a part of life and it's a part of life even after you stop having your period um even like when you're going into menopause like it's still a part of your life um but yeah anyways we have a lot to talk about so let's get into it um I will start off with the question I ask every single person that hops on here which is where were you how old were you what was happening when you got your very first period okay So I was on a family vacation um, up in Rhode Island. Um, We I was on a place called Block Island and I come from like my family were into sailing or, you know, my parents have a boat and that's that's the norm. Like when we go on family vacation on the summer, we're going sailing, we're in the water, we're pretty isolated more or less unless we do like island hopping. So we were on Block Island um, with our family friends. And I got my period right when we got to the island. And at the time, 
I was 10 years old at the time. Um, there were no CVS stores, no like convenience stores, no place to buy pads, tampons, or anything. And, you know, I was with my mom. So I got in the bathroom. We had that whole moment. Oh my God, you're like, you know, all that. We got to go get you some stuff. No stores. Um, we were able to find like first aid type of things. And um, we found gauze. There was gauze. So we used gauze. But then my family wanted to go to, and I just, you know, put that in my bathing suit and called it a day. That's and so visceral for your first period. Yeah. So get this. Then I'm out with our family. There's eight of us in this group. And the whole big part of this trip and the reason why we we're going to Block Island was actually to go somewhere just off of Block Island that the only way to get there was to bring your boat and then swim. So <laughs> that's unreal. The unluckiness is unreal. The irony. <laughs> right. So are I, there sharks? Are there they, sharks in Rhode Island? I, you know, I, I think every once in a while, but I'm 10 years old. I'm terrified. Like I'm not even processing. I'm like, something's going to get me. Something's going to attack. And so luckily my mom and I were, you know, in cahoots and tried to figure out, okay, so when we go to the island, I'm going to carry, like when I swim, I'm going to make sure this stays dry and then uh, we're, we'll get there and then we'll switch it out. And then when we get back to the boat, we'll go before everybody else and switch it out again. So it was a whole process. But basically, I was a bloody mess my entire first couple of days <laughs> because I was swimming. Um, so it was it was pretty wild. And then for me, my period was really heavy from jump and really regular from jump. So it was like not even just a little spotting. It was a lot all the time. Um, so that's the, that's the beginning of my period journey. <laughs> wow. That is one of my favorite stories that I've heard as far as first times go not only because like it's very ironic because one of the biggest concerns that you have right when you first get your period and you're like a little kid that loves like swimming and going in the pool and do, like, doing all these things it's like okay like what if I'm on my period which like is like a quarter of the month if you're you know having a regular cycle and like immediately you're just hit with like you have to go swimming and one of the reasons why I also started using tampons when I was younger is so I could like go swimming, but tampons are like scary. Um, but I also love that story because it seems like your mom very much so like had your back in that. Um, she seems like very supportive and was like very much very almost like had to be um, like holding your hand like that entire time. So you were like basically on this island, like having your like summer vacation and you were like swimming that whole time and you just like had gauze. Basically, yeah, it was, it, it, we spent um, a couple days on Block Island and you know, before this is back though, so like 15 years ago, 16, 17, I don't know, between 15, and 20 years ago, I actually can't even do the math right now that, um, <laughs> But before it got really populated. Now it Block Island is like super popular and all that, but it was very like low key. Yeah. Um, 
So I was basically, yeah, just swimming back and forth and doing what I could. I don't remember anything after that. I just kind of blacked out and handled it. I, but I do very viscerally remember being on the, climbing back onto the um, powerboat after we were like the first time that I really swam back and forth right before we were about to pack it up and leave. And again, like I went there before everybody else so I can change everything out, got on the powerboat. I looked down and it was just the whole boat was covered in blood. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I that's like that's the biggest thing I remember. Everything after that, I don't, I don't remember if I went in a pool. I don't re I don't remember anything after that. But that's that's what stuck wow with that's really intense what was it like <laughs> getting your your period at that age too because i feel like to, i'd when i was 10 i probably didn't even have a sex ed class yet um when i was little i like knew what a period was because like i found tampons in my mom's purse and i would like i would like soak them in water and i would like slap my brothers with them like i thought they were fun to use and my mom was like kind of like my mom thought it was funny because like She's obviously like annoyed at me because tampons are expensive and I'm just like wasting a whole box, like like using them as toys. But she's like, you're going to have to deal with these one day. You're not going to be soaking them with water. Um, but that's what I was doing when I was like 10. Um, I did. I got my period like 12 going on 13. So like, what was that experience like getting it? it it's like an average age for sure to get your period, but it, it's a little bit on the earlier end. Yeah. So before I get into that real quick, I have actually, I did a painting of a ram. It's like a seven foot long painting of a ram with a tampon slingshot. So I resonate with your story. <laughs> That's incredible. You need yeah. to like, you need to send me a picture of this after. <laughs> it's on my Instagram. It's titled Ram This. And it's, amazing um oh my god i need to like i need to get you to commission you to make some cover art for this podcast yeah. i'm like oh my god please <laughs> it's just like me on canva like mm, this looks okay like <laughs> we'll talk later we'll talk later that's amazing yeah yeah that's actually based <laughs> on a true story that i'll get into uh i let's let's i'm just gonna keep it brief this part of the story um okay. I got so mad at a man that I took my tampon out and threw it at him. I'm yeah. not reacting like that because that's <laughs> bad because, okay, okay. We're like, we're on the same wave. Like, okay, so I, I have a confession and I actually have not shared this on this podcast because I once got really, really mad. I was on a family vacation. I've done the same thing as you. I was on a family vacation I have three younger brothers and I love them. They're my best friends, but they are assholes. And my youngest brother and I used to butt heads like heavy. And he was like sabotaging this vacation. And we were on a, um, a road trip and we were in traffic and I had had this tampon in. I was like, also like, I was like 19 or 20. I think I was like 20. I'd had this tampon in for like three or four hours. And I was like terrified of toxic shock syndrome because I found out what it was when I did that whole deep dive into what periods are. And when we got out of the car, he was just like being such a bitch um, to me. I was like, Titus, like, I swear to God, if you don't stop, like, I will slap you with a tampon. I will do it. And he was like, no, you're not. And as the oldest sibling, like, don't call my bluff. Like, I have to assert my dominance now. And I took it out and I hit him with it. And he like really didn't talk to me for two years. 
Me too. That's actually very similar to my story. Stop. Okay. I need to hear, I need to hear the slingshot tale. Okay. So I was on family vacation. Stop. It was right after I had a miscarriage. I was oh, very good in 2020, right after the protests. Long story short, I got my, it was my first period after the miscarriage at, because I got tear gassed in the 2020 protests. So um, that's, that's, that's part of the story. So uh, you could just imagine, I say that, I premise that to say how emotional of a time it was. And how- uh, so I'm just unhinged. Yeah. I'm just unhinged. Okay. I'm just- and I was drinking and I'm also unhinged and I'm full of rage. And uh, my brother didn't, didn't even do anything. And I immediately like, I mean, he was just like, so we have, my parents have a sailboat and we were on our sailboat family vacation. Mm -hmm. And I have my room on our boat. Okay. And he usually sleeps in like the galley, like where we have our like, like living room couch kind of thing. And that's been true for years. Right. And so he was like, not feeling well. And I was mad at him because he was going to, he went to a party and the night before and it's COVID and he shouldn't have been around anybody. And I was like, he was like, can I sleep in your room tonight? I feel sick. And I just blacked out. I blacked out. Like when I tell, like, if you say you're on hinge, you know, this feeling I blacked out. I had two drinks in me, but like, it was a combination of all the trauma, maybe a little bit of the alcohol. I'm just seeing this dude tell me that he wants something that's mine. And I did not come back. I like, I snapped out of it, but came back to it in slow motion. The tampon was releasing from my hands. And I was like, I could still picture. I'm like, no. <laughs> that so. is such a good story. But also, I'm, I'm so sorry for all the events that led up to that. I Thank you. There's like... And my brother and I are, are just, so that was three, almost three years ago now. We're, we're just, it definitely, as you're saying, like you didn't talk to your brother for two years. Like I'm also the oldest sibling. He's my younger brother. We're still working it out. But, you know, <laughs> that, it's a very, I don't tell very many people that story because it's embarrassing for my brother. It's a lot for like, it's a lot for me. Like I was so reckless and rageful and it really was a, a dark time. Yeah. Um, but also I learned, I figured out over time the implications of like, oh no, this is what, this is what led up to that moment for me. I can actually break it down because when, after that I had, I was bawling my eyes out a hot mess, you know, apologizing my brother, figuring out like what the fuck's going on. And I just caught myself in that we were at this marina, just staring off into the distance at this American flag waving in this waving in the fog. It was so it was it's like such a such a movie in this way that I, I think of it. It was just this flag waving in the fog in a marina, just like mid COVID, post um like peak of BLM protests. I'm a hot mess. And I realized that all of my feelings and emotions that I was so tied up in in that moment with my brother had nothing to do with him. It had nothing wow. to do with him. It was all me, my, what was happening in my body 
what I was so mad at the patriarchy in that moment. I was so mad at like how um, we have to deal with this as women miscarriage wise, like all of the things that get tied up into our story and what complicates our lives in addition to being in the middle of a pandemic, in addition to also being passionate about social justice as well and having then physically been protesting, getting tear gas, all that trauma, like it was the perfect storm for something like that to happen to a person like me. And so for me to process that painting was really a way for me um, to kind of clap back at the patriarchy and be like, you know, what if I just wish I had a tampon slingshot everywhere? Like if I just every once in a while, just like you're pissing me off, dude, like, okay. And you're pissing me off or like somebody cat calls yeah. me I, from across the street. Like I really conceptualized this um, in a way that was healing for me. Wow. That's such an incredible story. Um, wow. I feel like you, I have this image of you that you're describing to me, this like foggy atmosphere. You're looking at this like American flag. And in that moment, I feel like you were able to process something that probably took me the last six weeks of going to a consistent, really good therapist has done, which is the fact that emotion, that anger is a secondary emotion. And there's a lot of emotions and layers that live beneath that anger. And a lot of times it's like sadness and like injustice and indignance and all of these things. And that's so powerful because like when your brother was like, hey, can I have, it was like, can I take one more thing from you that you don't have to give? And it was not, it's, it's actually it's crazy how the human mind gets like triggered in that way. Because we still haven't processed all of these other things. And all of a sudden, like, we're taking action or anger out on a person that we're not actually trying to direct anything to. So I think it's just so testament to the fact that going through and actually processing emotions as they come up. I'm listening to this super, super powerful book right now called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And it's all about, are you, are you a fan? Are you a fangirl? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm on such a deep um, I've always been tending towards like the woo woo holistic things. I've always been super into it. But um, I like made this joke to my friend the other day because like when I'm on a self healing journey, like I feel like I always am on a self healing journey. But there's phases in my life where I like I'm going deeper. Um, like the last two weeks, like I came down to Miami for Art Basel and then I just like my mom got an apartment that she's renovating. So I just like stayed here and I've had like one social interaction. Like I went to go hang out with a friend last Saturday, but it's just been me for two weeks. And I just like, feel so good. I like love being by myself. I mean, obviously I'm like talking to people at work and all that stuff, but um, anyways, yeah, Michael Singer. I just think I've taken away so much from listening to that book. And one of the things is like, processing emotions as they come up rather than holding on to them because they don't go away just because you push them down and I feel like that's like what happened with your circumstance and to be honest I haven't even taken a second to process why it really was that I hit, slapped my uh, my brother with a tampon but it probably wasn't just because he was being an ass in the backseat when I think about it <laughs> it's a very powerful act 
And I say that not with the sense of anything that's positive nor negative, but the energy behind it is very specific. And when we are, when we break that down and conceptualize it, it's like, what is making us do, like, what's making us do this right now? I actually, in speaking of like the depths of the woo woo, I used to teach philosophy. I actually specialized in, I used to be a yoga teacher, specialized in philosophy, taught 200 hour trainings on it, actually. Oh my God, amazing. So I've read all the books, I've taught all the things, I know all the lessons. And I went to a school, a Buddhist contemplative university. So I'm right there with you in terms of like, <laughs> let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the self-realization uh, and the self-study is very deeply integrated. And it's a blessing and a curse. You know, I think that there's definitely... Um, there was a period of time after that where I was like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to be as that inquisitive. I don't want to be um, like, I'm just, I, I just want to be my rageful self. I just want to, I want to know what it's like when I go over the edge. I want to know what my boundaries are in my anger, in my, in my rage, because I'm in a point of really some utter grief mm. and sadness. And I can't, I'm not in a position, he would, I, I took it upon myself to dive into like the depths of what that grief is and not necessarily to come out on the other side. I wasn't like, I want to fix this and I want to be better. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. let's see how I can go. Let's That's see what it takes me. So powerful. <laughs> That's so powerful. I feel like a lot of as I get more and more into some of these teachings that you're describing, a lot of it is to seek or to find this equanimity in life and this balance and to, you know, encounter what we find as troublesome or anxiety or situations that induce your mind to just go haywire. But I don't think that we're able to really draw full and deep lessons from life unless exactly what you just said, Lucin, which is to take it there, to like see, to discover the sides of you that you're constantly trying to keep on like two tracks and like go through life. And I'm not trying to say like, go off fucking off all the time, but I think that's really, really powerful. And I think something that I've been trying to do in the last couple of weeks is to like really just like stay on these two tracks. But before that, I was like, kind of felt like I hit, I, you know, I consistently will hit like what I term like a rock bottom. And they're always super helpful experiences. Like in the same way that you feel like your anger just go off and you're like, what are my boundaries here? Like, what is this side of me that I feel like I'm constantly quashing down and not investigating? That's like one side of it. And then there's also the side where it's like deep sadness and grief and regret and all of these things. And what I found in letting myself feel through those things is that there's very intimate lessons encapsulated in them. And yeah, wow. I think that's so powerful. This conversation, I, I could talk to you for hours about this, but <laughs> I need, I'm so excited to see, um, see your slingshot art. And also I feel like this is, okay. I've probably only told a single friend 
that I slapped my brother with, with a bloody tampon. I told one of my friends and like my whole family knows. And it's like, we didn't really talk about it for like two, two years, but now it's funny. Like it's a joke. Um, and I'm really good friends. Well, of course, like he's my family. Like, but beyond that, I'm like very close with that brother now. But I feel like this is something that might happen more frequently than people talk about. And I would love to just for a second to just dive into what it feels like or like the underlying emotions behind slapping someone with a fully bloody tampon. Like, let's just let's take it there. I mean, we need to take a survey and really like I'm talking conceptually, philosophically, I we could really break this down and see what the fuck is going on this like this own epidemic. <laughs> Having somebody with tampon. Because I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one up until right I now. That's crazy. I yeah, wow. I don't I don't share that story often either. It's you know, it's 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 not embarrassing for me actually, but I just feel bad for all parties involved. <laughs> I will never forget the look of. You said you like blacked out. I didn't black out. I knew what I was doing. I will never forget. And he was like, keep in mind, he was like thirteen. Like he was like puberty. He was being a dick, and like that's like the worst thing that you could do to like a kid who's like thirteen. And I just remember the pure look of just shock on his face. Like he would, he pure disbelief. And the only reason I did it was be because he said, you wouldn't do that. And I was like, watch me, watch me do it. <laughs> but I think it's just like, for me, I'm trying to go back to that place and the emotions that were going through my mind, which was really just like, first of all, it seemed like a power that I had over him that he could never have over me. It was a very empowering experience to be able to like slap someone with a tampon because like he could never slap me with a bloody tampon. Like that's like not an option for him. Like it almost put me in this position of like power over him and it like gave me like an edge. Does that resonate with you or I don't know? Girl, I mean, it resonates with me, like, hypothetically speaking. Um, my, I think my reflection is, is for me, like, I didn't know what was happening in the moment. I wasn't like, it wasn't this power over thing. It wasn't this, it wasn't that power dynamic, per se, for me. It was just like, I am woman, hear me roar type of thing. That makes sense. That makes a lot so, of sense. But but you know it's like it's it's this thing that only we can do and it it there was definitely i think that's what makes it so dramatic and yeah. it's also bodily fluids and it's it is actually gross but it's yeah I, I don't want to get slapped by someone else's dirty yeah, tampon no like, i don't want that at all ew no ew <laughs> like it's so disgusting and <sighs> unfortunately it's like it's it's degrading in a way and I um yeah I'm done talking about it <laughs> I need to no let's let's switch let's switch topics I agree we're talking a little bit about the struggle that you're going through right now in um working your way through birth control how is that playing out in your life so uh, um 
I, through that miscarriage I had, um, after that I ended up with endometriosis. And for those listening who don't know what endometriosis is, um, it is a, it's a sickness, if you will, or it's, it's a, it's not a disease. It can be cured. It can through surgery and whatever. But basically what happens is the way the doctor described it to me is that every time your period comes around, you can imagine a little like guy with a lawnmower, like mowing the edges of your uterus and the grass clippings. That's what creates your period and then gets flushed out. For people who have endometriosis, those grass clippings get lodged into different areas in your pelvis. And so um, it's very common for people who have had miscarriages. I mean, you could think of it as like glitches that have happened in your body, in like in that area. Like it's, it's like a glitch. And I was diagnosed with endometriosis lightly. I say that lightly also because it's, sim it's symptomatic. It's like you get cramps. You get, you deal with like all the time, like no matter if you have your period or not, um, that's a big thing. And, and you're, you can have really bad joint pain. Um, you, there's a lot of different things, but you don't actually know for sure if you have endometriosis until you get the surgery. And so when they get the surge, when you get the surgery, they go inside of your stomach, like through your stomach and like basically just take it out from the different areas in your pelvis. Um, so I, and the only, um, the only cure for the symptoms themselves, only way to mend the symptoms is with birth control. And I have been off of birth control for a while. And I was actually, when I originally got pregnant, it was during the pandemic. And I was living with my partner at the time. And uh, it was only supposed to be a couple weeks, fun, funny story. It was only supposed to be a couple weeks in transition for him. And then the pandemic hit and we got stuck together. Girl, don't I know it. So, it, so that happened. And then I was like, shit, I'm living with my boyfriend now. He's here. Like I need to get an IUD. So I was planning on getting an IUD. Um, and that was my first, like, I had been on birth control previously when I was 18 to try to help get my, like, lessen my period a little bit. Because, like I said before, it was all, it's always been so heavy and that's a real thing for me. Like, a uh, quick little blip. When I was in high school, the my teachers used to get so mad at me for going to the bathroom twice per class because I was using ultra tampons in twice in one hour classes so that's so upsetting I'm so sorry you had to go through that thank you so that describes that but now fast forward when I when I got pregnant um and I didn't know that I was pregnant I thought I was skipping my period because of the stress of going in a pandemic and going in lockdown and I was like I don't know what's happening but you know I'm not getting my period and this is weird but whatever Finally was able to get into Planned Parenthood to get that IUD, and um, I had just been, like, bleeding a little bit, um, but hadn't – and, again, this is the same time around the protests and everything, too. I had been bleeding, and, like, I 
not even a little bit. I was bleeding a lot. And I had like, I, the story of the miscarriage in itself is fuck, is fucking crazy. Um, but the doctor told me that I couldn't get the IUD because I was, my, my, my vitals were showing up that I was pregnant, which didn't make any sense to me. So I'm, I'm trying to simultaneously, I'm trying to get on birth control. I think that I'm pregnant. I also am just dealing with this drama. Um, and <clears throat> so that's why I'm on birth control now. But my birth control journey with the pill is also interesting because I get auric migraines. And so um, one, actually, let me just put this aside. I dealt with hell getting an IUD and, you know, it, that's also another thing. Um, I ended up getting it for like nine months, bled for the entire nine months, hated it, had to go on the pill. I was getting auric migraines with uh, the first pill that I was on, birth control pill, which actually can lead to a stroke. So if you if you get if you're having auric migraines while you're using birth control, you have to change things up. So now I'm on a different birth control and it's fucked my period up like crazy. Had my period straight for a month for the or for the first two months, and now I haven't had it for like over a month. So there's this, it's and now this is the first time my tits are hurting and I'm like, what's gonna happen? So that's my like current birth control story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's so crazy because it's such an individual experience, even though the products and the offerings and the solutions that are offered are so are such an umbrella, right? I have tons of friends that have IUDs and they love them. I have tons of friends that have very similar experiences to you or couldn't even get one inserted because they passed out. And it makes it really difficult to navigate this ecosystem of solutions. Um, and wow, yeah. <laughs> when I got my ID, uh, I passed out three times afterwards from the time in the hospital, like I, the office was in a hospital and it was on the third floor. I passed out once in the office leaving, mm. once in the elevator and once in the lobby, just getting back to my car. So luckily my mom was with me. And um, yeah. then I, I had to get my COVID shot directly after that. So I went from getting my IUD, drove an hour to get my my COVID shot. And I think the scare, <laughs> this, oh my God, you, girl, you've been through it. I'm so- I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then that COVID, that COVID vaccine triggered, like I was finally okay. And I had taken my ibuprofen, was finally okay by the time that I got went went to get the vaccine as soon as it the vaccine was inserted i got the pain again from the iud and it was like so they were both like hand in hand it was like the vaccine was interfering with the iud and my endometriosis and all that and it was like a battle of like you know like also politically too how do i like go about this when like i know it's causing so much drama in my body but yeah, all, all cool. across the board like there was a lot of as like a passionate activist like political thinking and stuff that comes yeah. into play and but. also and also at the same time like just from a purely like it's it was very difficult to get medical access to medicine it was very difficult to get access to doctors during that time um when this is going on like 2020 for sure even 2021 um 
And I've, I've actively remembered, especially during, you know, the early months of 2020, um, there were tons of people that wanted to access abortions and just were not able to. And that goes for anything for people, you know, that needed to get IUDs taken out, people that needed to get them put in. But I actually had no idea that you could develop endometriosis as a result of um, things that happen to your body. Um, I have a couple of friends that have endometriosis and um, it's very, very painful. And it's incredibly, it goes undiagnosed. And a lot of people will go into their OBGYN or doctors and have complaints of pain. And basically, oftentimes, they're just like sent away and said, you know, like, take an ibuprofen like everyone else or like, here's birth control. Like, this is the solution for you. And not a lot of people have the ability to spend hours researching like what is going on with their body. And I think it's just like your own health is just like you're kind of just like left alone to it, especially with like topics where like there's not a lot of accessible information. Like, of course, like I can go read a scientific article about um, endometriosis or what this means for me, but that's not like that's kind of hard to get through. You know what I mean? Like I need someone to make a TikTok for that stuff to be like digestible for me to like not only like properly understand it, but also at the same time have the time to even research what's going on. But yeah. For me, I knew that the first time that I heard about endometriosis way early, like years before I had it, something told me I was like, I'm probably going to fucking have that one day. Like I, something clicked and I was like, that, sound, that sounds like something that I need to pay attention to. And so when I had it, when I realized, when I started realizing the symptoms, I was like, yep, it fucking, yep, here it is. And it was very, um, for me, it made sense, um, philosophically speaking as well, um, because a lot of the work that I'm passionate about in terms of like uh, my story, my mission, it revolves around sexual misconduct and sexual assault. And I was, I was, it was like a theme at that time for me where I was like, I was like, I'm probably going to have a miscarriage in my life. And I don't necessarily want to say I spoke it into existence. It was more of, of an intuitive thing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fearing it. Yeah. I was just like, that's, that sound that checks out. That sounds like that's something that, that could very easily happen. Mm. And I need to be mindful of it. I yeah. knew like it was a it was like this weird knowing um that I had it was like a couple thoughts I had at some point never dwelled over it yeah that's very intuitive very very intuitive so you would say it was rather this feeling that you were tapping into rather than any kind of symptoms that you were experiencing physically um so this was this feeling was years before I experienced symptoms Wow. And so I did like years before I had the miscarriage, years before I had the symptoms, it was there. There are two separate things. It was like, huh, endometriosis. That's interesting. I think I need to pay attention to what that is. Like just a couple seconds of a thought. Yeah. Then years later, I'm like, I it was like, I, I, ha I have endometriosis for sure. Yeah. So basically, if without taking birth control or regulating your hormones or the way that you're having a period, basically endometriosis and please correct me if I'm wrong, just essentially because of these little splinters, these little grass um, clippings that are kind of all over 
your pelvis area and then are released when you get your period. It's like unbearable pain. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, you know, even if I if I miss a pill for like a, a couple days, it's it's it feels like you have your period all over again. Um, but in ways where like you're stuck in bed. I tried. I was like, what what would happen if I don't take the pill for a couple weeks? And because there was actually I was having issues with my insurance, which that's a whole other conversation. And yeah. I ha I was had to go 10 days without it. And I'm like, let me see how like maybe I can go like I, I have to go 10 days without it. But let me see what it would be like, you know, and then sure enough, by like the second day of not having the pill. I was um, bedridden. Wow. So. Yeah, that's the conversa conversation I've had with my friends that have it. It's just like, like, if you have it, you know, is basically mm -hmm. what my friend told me. But yeah. I would love to uh, come full circle and hear about how all these experiences, you know, from the very first period you had being really heavy to going through all these really painful experiences when when you grew up how those inform some of the projects that you're working on and your art. And you were talking a little bit about um, some kind of like series and how all these like traits play into play into these characters. Yeah. So let me see. So actually you asked me a question earlier that ties it back into the story. And that's like, what was it like getting your period at such a young age? Um, and I do want to address that because I feel like my experience with my period at a young age um, really defined my um, my experience as an adult as well. So I got it at a young age. Actually, I was 11. It was just after I turned 11. That story happened. I'm in school. I'm the only one with my period. Nobody else around me has it. And so I had to hide. I, I wanted to hide it. I didn't want anybody to know. But I also didn't know, you know, I, I just my mom got me the like little pads, the, like little like panty liners, basically thinking that that would be enough. But like I said, my period was so heavy and I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. So actually what had happened was I um, every single every single day that I had my period, I bled through my clothes in when I was a kid when I first got it at 11. And I thought that that was the norm. And I, but I also knew that it was wrong. So I would, I would leave a mark on every seat every single day in class. And like, I like didn't know, like I was just like, I would, I would get up and I would just look down and see the mark, the blood on the seat and just push it really fast back under the desk at the end of the day. And just like, keep going and do that for continuously for a year or two and um simultaneously you know coming into my body I am pretty curvaceous and the boys loved it and they actually started they created a game where they would go around and slap my butt and rack up points so that started simultaneously oh so god yeah, while I'm like bleeding through my clothes and dealing with what that's like internally for me and like having to check my butt and see if I'm leaving a mark and having to hot situate my pants so they're like hiding kind of. But like so if I do have a mark, which I always did, mm -hmm. it like couldn't like only I knew it was there. 
And I figured out like, I figured out the mechanics and the science of how to sit so that I would stain in the right place to keep it hidden. And so then, but then simultaneously having this sexual misconduct from boys in my class where they're like getting so like, I mean, they're touched, they're unconsensually slapping my butt. Yeah. And it was this really weird dynamic of feeling exposed and also like trying to like still having a secret of like they if they 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 could slap me and blood could be on their hands any second. Yeah. yeah. It's like the the two ideas being juxtaposed so it's something that you're really trying to hide but like the world is almost like putting into hyper focus. And like those two things can't really exist for you at the same time. Something that you're desperately so trying to, you know, push down. And the, but at the same time, people are like laser focused or, you know, like guys yeah. your age. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I actually have this right here. This is some some like mock up for a story I'm working on. But this is like right here. Boy slapped my butt right before I see that my period bled through. That's like me sitting on the toilet. These are like I use a pen. It's like really terrible mock-ups. I know. No, what no, 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 no. I love but- it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what this is, but you guys can see the behind the scenes. So no, that's absolutely amazing. I love it's- that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it definitely it like really has. Um, it's it's that scene, that point right there is what. I feel like in, in my life is they're very interconnected. Mm. Um, everything that has to do with like sex, reproductive health, um, of just like, you know, sexual misconduct, sexual assault, all of those things really tie into like, like I was saying, like the health of it and our periods and how we, like how we bleed, what our relationships are looking like and what's around us and what experiences we may have had and how the patriarchy is coming at us. What does that look like in our bodies and how is that flushed out? Yeah, absolutely. I think exactly what you just said. It just, I could not have said it better myself, but I don't think you can talk about something like having your period without talking about the things that it intersects intersects with, like sex, birth control, mental health, hormones, the patriarchy, and how growing up having a period, it's not something that we like really talk about or like share with a lot of people, like let alone openly, because there's this idea of shame around it. And I remember even growing up, it it would always be like, oh, like boys think it's gross. Boys don't want to hear about that. Like if you want, like if you're sitting at lunch with your friends and a boy comes up and you want him to go away, just start talking about your period. You know, like, it's like those things that we grow up with. And then all of a sudden, something that happened 10 years ago, like getting our periods at school and like leaving a mark in the chair and like that starts a whole insane dynamic in our heads where we feel like all this shame for no reason. And like 10 years later, where we're like, sitting alone in a doctor's office and like we're like struggling with like an IUD that is misplaced or miscarriages or abortions or any of that and all of a sudden it's like the people that I can talk to on my phone like call they're like kind of limited to a couple of friends and my mom um and what I can what I feel safe sharing about that publicly is also like very very low and that is 
everything you just touched on is like the impetus for me sharing these conversations and stories. Um, one last thing, um, one question, and then I want people to know where they can find you and find all your amazing art and all your upcoming projects. Um, if you could give the 10 or 11 year old self um, that first header period on that boat trip out on Rhode Island, one piece of advice about not necessarily life or career advice, but advice about experiencing her period and flow in the world as it exists today, what would that be? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I should have sent you this question before. No, that was good. I, I definitely... Girl. I think it's... it's. Let's see. The first thing that comes to me is... Uh, well, sorry for the notification. First thing that comes to me is... I mean, there's been so many situations and circumstances and like points of like trauma really through my period. I think when I first got my period, I would tell, I would tell her it's not normal to bleed through your clothes <laughs> first and foremost. Um, and you can prevent this and here are the tools. Um, I didn't use a tampon for a very long time. So also I think that would be a real thing of, and here are the tools use a tampon you'll be happier um and use a pad simultaneously and use an ultra pa ultra tampon at that <laughs> um but also you know i would i would tell her that like it's not it's okay you know it seems kind of cliche but like it's okay and this is normal and it's actually a gift to have your period. And it's a gift to experience life in this way, in this body. That's really special. Thank you for sharing that. I really wish that we one day are able to, or even today, give people who are first experiencing this, this like same advice that, I wish I had someone tell me that when I first got my period. And I feel like there's this lack of transfer of knowledge and wisdom amongst women intergenerationally that I think we can um, break through these conversations. Yeah. And I, I, you know, even my mom, she was so excited and she's like, this is amazing. You got your period. This is amazing. Like it was a beautiful moment like for her, I think. And like, I think she definitely did her best in trying to tell me that like, this is actually a good thing. Um, but it's like then down the line, how do we continue to celebrate it? You know? Yes. So that's super important. I think the first time it's almost like this glorified thing. And I know this is how I start the podcast every time, but it's the continuation of, of taking care of it and of celebrating it. That is really lacking. Um, in the same way that, right. Like, Oh, like the first time you have sex or like, I hate this word, but like losing your virginity is very much so like this moment, but like, how do we continue to, like, um, to maintain, not even maintain, sometimes not maintain, but create like a healthy and beautiful sex life, like after that moment. So it's about like the continuation of that relationship and the growth of that relationship rather than like the pinpoint of this very first time. But yeah. wow. This, yeah. I mean, in, in briefly speaking, cause I don't want to take you too far off topic, but in briefly speaking about like losing your virginity, my experience was not, not 
not anything like I imagined it to be in the sense that like I was actually traumatized and it was also not a lot of people speak about that part of it you know like yeah sure this is what happened but also it's not one not what we think it is not how you know or you know circumstantially case by case of course everybody experiences that differently there is a lot of shame that comes around everything that has to do with our periods and and our ourselves as women and who we are in relationship to the patriarchal society that we live in today and you know it makes a lot of sense as back in like the witch's time during the witch trials specifically i mean it's always a witch's time but in the witch trials um you know there was this they would throw rocks at these women say shame 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 and that is one thing when I hear, like when I was going through a lot of that trauma in my life, I've never heard that ever said to me, but I would literally, like I would imagine somebody throwing rocks at me and I kept hearing over over and over again in my head, like shame, shame, like somebody was saying it to me. It wow. wasn't like an intro of like, oh my God, I'm feeling so shame. It was like, I was hearing groups of people in my head and that's ancestral, that's historical, that's transgenerational yeah that's something that it we do carry with us and especially through like the magic of our reproductive systems there can be so much healing but we first have to also tap into who we are ancestrally and who we are as women and how to push back on what society has taught us about ourselves to then dive in and, and and unlearn and then relearn what is happening with our bodies. They're all, they intersect, they're all interconnected. Wow, that was so beautifully said. Everything from the metaphor of this magic, tying it back to this age old notion of women being witches, drop, drop the book. <laughs> Please drop the book soon. I need to hear like more of your beautiful thoughts and writing. And I swear every, everything you just said, just like, I immediately just like hit something that I'm like, oh wait, and it's making me think of something new. Um, Wow, and I totally agree with you. I think we don't just pass on genes or genetic components. We really do pass on like these, these traumas. And I think this veil of shame has really clouded has really been passed down through generations of women. And I've seen like less shame in myself than I do in my mom and in my grandmother. And I think slowly we can start to like break some of these, some of these binds. And I yeah. mean, this conversation right here, you, this, yeah. is a part of it. this is a part of the healing and thank you so much for having me and hosting this. I'm really excited to see the, where this goes and how yes. this to, to that healing. I definitely have, I have some big plans for it. Um, I'm starting it off as just like conversations uh, with a media focus, but um, I just can't get like building out of the space in my head. So I just like want to put something into the world that like is a solution to all these things we just talked about. Um, But I really, really appreciate you coming on. This conversation is going to be on my my mind for the rest of the day or this week, probably. And finally, I want to um, give you some space to let everyone know where they can follow you. I will put all the details in the show notes, um, but please take it away. 
All righty. So my website is www.lucinvisions.art. Um, on there, you'll find all my socials. My Instagram is at lucinvisions, L-U-C-I-N-E, like you're seeing down here, wherever that is. Um, I also, my main character in my lore is Madam Frog. So you'll see me also posing as her. Um, you will also catch me on Twitter at Lucin underscore art. Um, Discord, I have a Discord server called House of Consent. And um, that it all, my mission is to normalize consent, empower women and inspire men to do so. Um, so there's there's a lot to that in terms of community building. You have a ton of ways to contribute to the conversation um, through Twitter spaces, on Discord, through my newsletter and my memberships and my events. Um, and then soon come my animations and story plots. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. And I will see you guys next week.